0: For a long time, the Republican Party has been running from something. Now is our moment to actually start running to something. I'm an America first conservative. I'm all in for America first. But to put America first, we have to rediscover what America is. What are those founding ideals, meritocracy, free speech, open debate, self-governance over aristocracy, the rule of law? That's not racist. That's not xenophobic. That's what it means to be an American. All right. Happy Thanksgiving. Welcome to the Sean Spicer Show.
1: Uh, I hope that you had a great dinner. Hopefully you got the chance to gather with friends or family. Most importantly, I hope you took a minute just to to give thanks. Thankful for what you've got in your life, who you've got in your life, for where we are, the things that our country has given us. Anyway, I'm thankful for all of you. I appreciate everything that you've done to support me and the show as we've ventured out into the vast unknown of independent media. It's been an awesome, awesome first few months. And I really do thank you for that. And I appreciate you. Uh, and especially those who have continued to subscribe and get the notifications right as it means a ton to me. Anyway, uh, I want to uh, share with you part of a conversation we had with Vivek Ramaswamy and, uh, and just sit back and enjoy where he is right now and how he answers that question. Would he be Trump's vice president? Well, Vate, good to see you. Thanks for joining us today.
0: It's good to be on, man.
1: All right, so I know your time is tight. I want to first cover some political strategy, and then I want to get to some policy stuff because President Biden is meeting with Xi Jinping, and I'm sure you'll have some thoughts on that. First, just walk me through, as I've sort of gone through each of the campaigns with our viewers before, what is your strategy to the nomination, right? You got to get X number of delegates. How in are you on say Iowa as a must do really well state?
0: Well, look, I think I'm set up pretty well going into those early states. I think I need to exceed expectations in those two states. And, and the good news is because everybody else has been spending tons of money on airwaves, but actually have not so far. That's changing now. We're going to be in a position to beat expectations in Iowa and New Hampshire. Top three in both those states, I think we'll automatically exceed those expectations. And then that puts me in a position to ultimately get to the nomination because pretty soon, Sean, I think this is going to come down to two America First candidates. I mean, there's no other way in the Republican nomination for somebody who's coming from the Dick Cheney ghost of the past that they're trying to prop up in the form of, you know, pick your favorite puppet of choice. I think that the right path forward is going to be an America First candidate. And then we'll have a real choice that the voters face. Do you want an America First leader from the last generation? Yes, who has experience, who's tried and true, who I respect, that's Donald Trump. Or do you want an America First leader that can lead the next generation with fresh legs, reuniting the next generation of Americans, reviving national pride? And I think that'll be a choice for the voters. So, so I if just Trump's the nominee, I'll support him. And I expect the same if I'm, if I'm the nominee as well.
1: Right. And I just want to make sure I'm not putting words in your mouth. If you don't get in the top three in Iowa, New Hampshire, you don't see a viable path forward. Is that an accurate reflection of what you said?
0: I think we need to be in the top three in one of those two states. I think that that's absolutely fair. But in either of those cases, we'll significantly shatter the expectations for an outsider like me coming in, especially relative to how much super PAC money is propping up the other candidates. I'm not I mean, I'm not supported at that same level if you just look at the numbers. And so the fact that that will be grassroots driven in my case, just me, the hundreds of thousands of small dollar supporters and voters across this country lifting that up. Yes, that alone will then give us the momentum to then go the distance after that.
1: So in the first debate, I woke up the next morning and you were trending everywhere online. And I think not only online, but the Today Show, Good Morning America, I was flipping through the channels. They were all talking about your performance then. Likewise, you got a lot of attention after that third debate. But when I look at both the polls nationally, which I don't put a lot of stock in, just so we're clear, but the Iowa polls right now have you at about 4.7%. Based on the performance that you've had and the reaction that you've had online, where do you think, or do you think there is a disconnect between the polling and what you're seeing on the
0: ground in Iowa and New Hampshire? Huge disconnect. Actually, most of the people who are coming to our events and in our network say they haven't participated in an Iowa caucus for a very long time, if ever at all. They don't get polled, okay? So I think that, again, is another reason why we're going to be in a position to deliver a big positive surprise that will shock the system. And I think that's on track to happening. The people they call or a lot of them for those landline surveys or people who still have landlines sitting at home aren't actually being reached by the way that I'm mostly reaching people, which isn't through cable news advertisements, but through new media, through actual direct grassroots events and otherwise. So I think we're going to be in a position to over deliver expectations. We're Exactly where we want to be in some sense, Sean, one of the guys who's running Iowa for me is the guy who ran Rick Santorum's state efforts. And another one of our guys on our team ran his national campaign. Santorum was behind where I am right now in the same time at Thanksgiving. As of that time, he was polling less than where I am now. He won the Iowa caucus. Now, in Rick's case, he didn't have independent resources to be able to go further. And so he wasn't ready for that success. We will be, but I think that's the kind of race we're going to run. All
1: right, guys, most of us know what it's like to be without power, sometimes for an hour, maybe a day, a couple days after a natural disaster, a hurricane, a windstorm, you know, whatever. But now national security experts are warning that our power grid is more vulnerable than ever. And they've identified nine key substations, which if attacked, they're saying we could lose power for months, months. That's why having your own solar power is more important than ever. So I recommend the Patriot Power Generator, which is a solar generator that you don't have to install in your house. It's portable. You can take it with you. You can use it inside your house. And it's powerful enough that if power goes out, we're talking your phones, your tablets, your computers, medical devices, even your refrigerator gets power. So if you go to fourpatriots.com and use code SPICER, you get 10% off your first purchase. It's four Patriots.com includes that Patriot power generator. You'll get a uh, that guarantee for a year, free shipping if it's over 97 bucks, and a portion of every sale is donated to charities that support veterans, right? That's great. So go to 4 use code SPICER, 4 You do not want to be without power in case something happens. So the RNC has set the threshold for this next coming debate on December 6th at 6%. Uh, regardless of the amount of grassroots support that you're truly getting, the polls in Iowa right yeah, now- Yeah, I've how, qualified.
0: i qualified for You that. did? Okay. Yep.
1: All right. So you have talked about, that the last debate, you called out Rana, uh, McDaniel. Uh, you've called the RNC corrupt. What What do you want to see happen at the National Party? And why, of all the things that you've talked about, because you've gone after Woke Capital, you've gone after China, Why why focus on the party, if you will? Do you think that there's enough- residents there in terms of what voters want to hear about or do you think that that's cuz that seems to be a shift from yeah. from policy
0: well i think that I think you said it, Sean, as of all the people I've gone after, I go after everybody 360 degrees. I mean, on the same debate stage, I called for Biden to step aside as the nominee because I think it's dishonest. He's not going to be the nominee. Tell the truth. I called out probably in a way that no Republican candidate has. I called out Kristen Welker from NBC News to her face. I turned the question back on her, told her to answer for lying about the Trump-Russia collusion hoax that never was. So I'm unsparing across the board, woke corporations on down. China and otherwise, I, I'm 360 degrees honest. But what I'm not gonna do is somehow spare the failures in the managerial class of the Republican Party because that's not speaking the truth. And so included in that list for me is accountability within the Republican Party. I'm against affirmative action. I'm the hardest line conservative who has said I would end affirmative action because I believe in meritocracy. The best person should get the job. How can I possibly preach that to the rest of this country when it is glaringly obvious that we don't put the best person in the job to run our own party? Ronna McDaniel, taken over in 2017. We lose in 2018, 2020, disaster in 2022 and 2023. And yet that's still the same person who's in charge, whose salary has tripled in the meantime over that period. Give me a break. So unlike other candidates, and, and it's worth people understanding this, I was the only person on that stage or off that stage who's willing to take actual filters off to speak the truth 360 degrees about the likes of Ronna McDaniel and the RNC leadership. It's the truth. Our grassroots base can see it. It's it's telling that I'm the only person who's actually willing to step up and say it. And so I do think that that adds something valuable here for someone of a different generation coming in. It's why I'm in this race. And I do think that I'm not, it's not that I'm focused only on her, Sean, to the contrary. It would be I would be a hypocrite if I'm talking about everything else I'm talking about, holding everybody else accountable while playing with kid gloves with the RNC, and I'm not going to do that.
1: So Tim Scott dropped out this week, Mike Pence just before that. Is your campaign in any way making a play for
0: those voters? And if so, what's the message? My message is for all voters, right? So I'm not playing the game of political snakes and ladders. My message is that it's going to take someone from the outside with fresh legs that's able to reach the next generation of Americans. That's the, that's the hard truth. And I'm the only candidate in this race who can do that. For a long time, the Republican Party has been running from something. Now is our moment to actually start running to something. I'm an America first conservative. I'm all in for America first. But to put America first, we have to rediscover what America is. What are those founding ideals? Meritocracy, free speech, open debate, self-governance over aristocracy, the rule of law. That's so why I've said I would use our own military to seal our own borders. And I say that as the kid of legal immigrants to this country. That's not racist. That's not xenophobic. That's what it means to be an American. And so I think Tim Scott did probably among most of the field have an optimistic vision, but he didn't really hit optimism. But he didn't ever really articulated what that vision was. I applaud him for that optimistic spirit. For me, I'm a little different. I don't come around and just say, hey, it's morning in America again, because it's not. We're in the middle of a war for... The identity of this country but it can be morning in america again and that's where i'm leading us and so yes i do think a lot of those tim scott voters that were looking for that optimism can find a more realistic version of that optimism to say it can be morning in america i think that's more truthful and i think many of them can find a home in our movement but it's not just them it's america first conservatives across the board and as i remind people america first does not belong to one man right it doesn't belong to me it doesn't belong to trump it didn't belong to reagan so I want to touch it belongs on, to you, the people of this country.
1: Yeah. I, I want to touch on policy for a second. In an effort to rein in government, you've talked about uh, on day one or day two, cutting the size of the federal workforce by basically saying to everybody who's got, I believe, I just want to get this right, if your social security number ends in an odd number, they would lose their job. First and foremost, uh, what, what does your social security number end
0: in? Well, this would be for all unelected bureaucrats, (laughs) and actually I I wanted to be, and I I just picked it at random. Mine ends in an odd number. But it's anybody who's unelected, who is not elected to their position, because that's not accountable to the people. And Sean, I want to explain to people, this isn't a glib proposal, actually. This comes from a deep understanding of the laws. Every Republican president who's ever run has always talked about reigning in the size of the federal bureaucracy, firing federal bureaucrats. Never happens. Not even a little bit. Why? They tell them the civil service rules. I mean, this is what stopped Trump. Yeah. what stopped even Reagan. They say the civil service rules stop you from firing federal bureaucrats. Those rules provide all kinds of legal bases for those federal bureaucrats to sue, to say it was because of political retaliation, political retribution, political motivations of an elected president, or violating civil rights laws if there's disparate impact of people of one race or gender disproportionately being impacted. You have spend years in court. And I understand why Reagan or Trump couldn't see that through. But if we're serious now, the federal bureaucracy is bigger than it's ever been. It's going to take some level of extreme action. So by using randomness, the law of large numbers in our favor, we actually avoid the civil service rules altogether. And so, yes, I think that's what it's going to take, Sean, an executive coming from the outside who's been a CEO. I've been a CEO, I've built multi-billion dollar businesses. I know that if somebody works for you and you can't fire them, That means they don't work for you. It means you work for them because you're responsible for what they're doing without any authority to change it. But it's going to take somebody coming in from the outside as a CEO, but also somebody who understands the law and the Constitution and uses that in our favor to get this done. And so any candidate who steps up and says that is offering some sort of idea that isn't extreme. That means they're not going to get the job done because the task ahead of us is an extreme task. But don't you worry? So that's I mean, the kind I, of leader I, we need.
1: I, I get that. But you are a businessman, right? You ran yes, a company, I and, and, and I thought to myself, okay, I get this. I am a huge fan of the ideas, the, the thinking of how to just fundamentally reshape the size of government. It's way too bloated. Yeah. It's inefficient. I'm all for it. But my point is, is that when you take a, a scalpel like that and just go in and go, you don't know... Are you throwing out everybody who, who runs the data So, so I'll address that.
0: Okay. I'll address that, Sean. Because there's no way a company would have ever gotten to that state because companies aren't bound by civil service protections. Companies actually operate according to a budget. They can't just print money like the government does to make up for its proliferating cancer. So now we've gotten past the zone of what would ever exist in the private sector. It's what you call the law of large numbers. At the end of the day, I can, I can, I can give you with 100% clarity On day two, on day one, we just have 50% of the federal employees, they're gone. On day two, not a thing is going to break. Not a thing will be different. It's not the job of the federal government to provide workforce opportunities. Those people can find honest work in the private sector. And that's just step one. After we use the chainsaw, it's a chisel from there. I think the top performers should be paid more than they are now. The bottom performers should be paid less. Many of those employees in Washington, D.C., should be spread across the country to other parts of the nation so they're more accountable to the people. I think that there should be eight-year term limits for most of those positions. There's an eight-year term limit for me as the next president. I think that's a good thing. Well, I think that term, that eight-year term limit should also apply to the people who report into me. So that's just the first step of many changes. But the reality is, Sean, anybody who says that they're gonna incrementally tinker around the edges is lying. Right. They're lying to themselves in many cases. They don't they may think that they're making a promise. It's a promise they can't keep and it's why not a single Republican president for 40 years has gotten a darn thing done so, when it comes to reigning in the size of the federal bureaucracy. I, I understand so, that. yes, it will take the law of large numbers working in our favor. 50% reduction. Let's start with that on day one. Then you can get your arms around it. Then you bring the chisel after you start with the chainsaw. All
1: right, folks, I want to tell you about a guy named Leo Grillo that I've gotten to know. Uh, he is the founder of Delta Rescue. And If you go to deltarescue.org, you can get to see some of the great work that Leo has done to provide the world's biggest sanctuary for abandoned dogs, cats, animals of all stripes. It is amazing what they do at Delta Rescue right now. Uh, This dog that he found at one time was in trouble and underway. Leo rescued that dog. He was a Doberman and named him Delta. You know why? Because that inspired Delta Rescue. It's unbelievable what they do over there. Delta stands for Dedication and Everlasting Love to Animals. That's basically Leo's mission. And Delta Rescue relies solely on contributions from people like you and I to make it work. Talk to them about making this part of your estate plan. If you're an animal lover, you know this is where your legacy can match with theirs, and they can help put together a tax-saving plan. It's all on their website right now, so go to DeltaRescue.org, check out some of the great videos and the estate planning tools that they have there on their site for you. All right, so today, President Biden's finally sitting down with Xi Jinping. It's Xi Jinping's first visit to the U.S. in six years. If you were sitting in that chair walk me through what the priorities of that you would have on that list would be. Because right now, I don't think China takes us seriously. We keep thinking that somehow they care what we think, that they want to be a responsible stakeholder, blah, blah, blah. They're walking all over us economically and militarily.
0: What is going to change if you were president? They think we're a joke is the answer. So what's going to change if I'm president is they're going to, have to play by the same set of the rules or, or else they're going to actually be consequences. Hold them accountable for unleashing hell on the world with the covid 19 pandemic if you don't do that you can expect far worse in the future tell china that we're not going to allow you to buy land in this country to donate to universities in this country we're not going to allow u.s businesses to expand into the chinese market unless and until china is playing by the same set of the rules we'll kick you out of the wto using every financial lever we have available we're prepared to go the direction of onshoring to the united states and fill in the gaps with South Korea, Japan, India, Australia, Chile, other countries. That shows we're serious. And I don't think we've had that level of seriousness yet. And if we're really that serious about it, then Xi Jinping knows that that's gonna be worse for him than it is for us. And they will be playing by the same set of rules. But either way, we have to be willing to actually act. Right. That takes a president with a spine. Right now, I mean, that was a Chinese spy balloon flying over half the United States. If that were a Russian spy balloon, you wanna know what we would've done? We just shot it down and ratcheted up sanctions. That's the truth. We have a Chinese spy base in Cuba spying on the eastern corridor of this country, probably where you and I are right now. Well, that's wrong, but we're not doing a thing about it because we're scared. Why are we scared? Because we depend on them. For the pharmaceuticals in our medicine cabinet, 95% of them, to the semiconductors, at least in Taiwan, that China wants to invade for our modern way of life, to even our own military, our F-35 jets, our industrial base, depends on, you guessed it. Parts coming from China. So we have to be prepared to say that we're not economically dependent on our adversary. They have to play by the same set of rules if they want to benefit in the way they have from trade relationships they've had with the United States or even U.S. expansionary relationships. That ends unless they're playing by the same set of rules on my watch, we'd be running circles around them rather than the other way around.
1: A uh, last question for you, because I know your time is tight. You've spoken very fondly about President Trump, his tenure in office, the policies he's put forward. He's reciprocated by saying kind things about you and the campaign that you've run. If you came up short in your quest for the presidency and he asked you to serve as his vice president, would you accept?
0: Oh, I wanna say that I'm not a plan B person. I didn't get to where I am in life I've taken on bureaucracies, I've succeeded, I've built multi-billion dollar businesses. I'm 38 and I'm now self-financing to run for president. I didn't get there by being a plan B person. But I have acknowledged at every step of the way that Donald Trump was an excellent president. And he was an excellent president. And the reason he's doing so well in the polls is he kept us out of wars and he grew the economy. Those are things that I aim to do on an even greater scale going forward but I expect his support if I'm the nominee and he will have more than my full support if he's the nominee. So is that a yes and the or answer an, is,
1: would you accept the VP nominee? I, I'm not
0: a plan B person, Sean. It's, not- it's just that my brain doesn't function that way. And, and I don't intend to start being, I, I wouldn't be me if I'm a plan B person. We set out to accomplish a goal. Our family and our heart is hundred percent in this. I expect I'll be the next president of the United States. We're ready to serve this country and we will, the next phase of our life isn't about me. I've, d- I've done the capitalist thing. It's about creating that country and passing it on to our kids. And the best way I can do that is as the next president. But we're dedicated to this country, and we will serve this country to the maximum.
1: Okay. Vivek Ramaswamy, thanks for being with us. Stay safe on the campaign trail. And I'll see you December 6th at that debate in Alabama.
0: I appreciate it, man. You Thank you.
1: All right, friends. Are you looking to secure your financial future? Then I asked you to call the folks at Bishop Gold Group. They are who I rely on during these uncertain economic times, interest rates going through the roof. Where do we put our money? What's secure? Bishop Gold Group is America's premier precious metals company. Uh, They can sit down with you and put a plan together about whether it's an IRA, you're a first-time investor, you're a long-time investor, how to diversify, what metals to get into. I have known these guys for quite some time. Integrity is a way of life for them. Uh, Transparency is something that they pride themselves on. When you call them, they sit down, create an individualized plan for you based on your specific needs. I know there's a lot of companies out there talking to you about precious metals. Trust me, you will not be disappointed with my friends over at Bishop Gold Group. You can reach out to them and talk to them right now at 844-984-1616. Or click on the link below bishopgoldgroup.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. And guess what? They've got a special promotion for you to start your financial independence journey. Again, bishopgoldgroup.com slash Sean. All right. He doesn't disappoint, does he? Always great. But now I want to bring you into a panel discussion, a really great discussion with my friend, Joe Paggs. You've seen him before. He is such a, a great radio host. Uh, Chad Prather of The of the Blaze and Ashley Haig of America First Policy. A great, great discussion that we had. Take a listen. All right, guys, I'm excited for this discussion. I'm excited to bring in Joe Pags up there. Ashley Haig, how are you from America First Policy hey. Institute? And Joe uh, and, and Chad Prather, I'm sorry, from The Blaze. Good to see you all. Um, let me kind of kick this all off with what happened at the DNC last night. I'm sure you've seen it. Let me just play a clip. Back, back,
2: back, back. Careful, back, back.
1: Careful. All right, Joe, I'm going to start with you. What I, I don't even know where to start with this. It's like one, these people want to defend the police or defund the police suddenly look like they love the police. Two, one person was arrested after six officers were injured in that. Three, the media called it a clash with protesters. That doesn't look like a clash with protesters. And four, where are these guys getting called? Why aren't they being called out? This is every Republican, every person that ever thought about voting Republican, when they go on air, gets asked about every comment that Donald Trump has ever said. Right. And yet, no one is being asked on the Dem side to denounce this kind of behavior from their party,
2: Joe it was a violent insurrection sean we all saw it unfolding they should all be in prison and they should be waiting trial with no due process whatsoever obviously it shows again the two-tiered justice system it shows that the left can get away with way more than the right can ever get away with it shows a bunch of punks that don't understand the history of israel don't understand the history of that entire region and it shows a weakness in the democrat side listen when you call people militants and not terrorists you're already off on the wrong foot you've got a bunch of idiots i watched a lot of this video and i watched a lot of what they were saying into the camera they just don't know anything about anything but it's time to get riled up and yell and scream about a ceasefire and peace and and as they're saying that they're trying to break through the doors of the dnc it, it's kind of funny to sit back and watch it because it's the left eating its own And and you think to yourself, wow, they wanted this. They wanted these young people, this new generation, to feel to feel like this, to act like this. And now it's coming back to bite them. It's almost like that snake story that Trump always tells about. Listen, I was a snake. You should have known I was a snake the entire time. (laughs) This is their own side coming back to roost, trying to get them out of office because they won't do exactly what they want. And you're right. Every single person on CNN, MSNBC, ABC, NBC, CBS, anybody who's a leftist, anybody who's a Democrat, anybody who's serving should be questioned about this action last night, and they won't be, and they they won't be asked to refute it. People are still telling Trump he's got to talk about Charlottesville for God's sakes. And the Democrats will get away unscathed out of this.
1: Yeah, Chad, what do you, I mean, give me your takeaway. Uh, you know, they
3: created this, the left did the left wanted it. They asked for it. They want this type of, um, you know, interaction happening in the street. It's mostly peaceful, right? Isn't that their description they've excused it for so long. And so here you're going to get, as Joe said, the, the left is eating their own. Look, this is a house of cards. It's built on fallacy. It's a faulty, uh, foundation to begin with. It's not logical that doesn't matter. Feelings are everything. And this is BLM 2.0 at this point. They're going to continue to rile this up. It's going to get worse. You know, the last report, you know, I I haven't confirmed it this morning, but there were like six police officers, Capitol police officers, that were injured. Things were on fire, man. The the video I saw was worse than anything I saw from clips of January 6th. So it's only going to get worse from here.
1: Actually, I I just, I feel like you got, you know this. I mean, you, you've worked on with the Trump campaign before. Every single Republican gets asked every time that Trump says anything to denounce it, to explain it, to talk about whether they would do it or not. And yet here we are with a bunch of Democrats watching this happen. In fact, the progressive wing of the Democratic Party, all the members of the squad have gone in to meet with Hakeem Jeffries, their leader, and said, you need to defend us from primary challenges. And I'm thinking to myself, I'd be like, "Bye bye
4: Right. This is the party of peace and tolerance, right? Like this is the accepting party that welcomes all people. False, fake news. We see what's happening right now, at, you know, as Chad mentioned, with their eating their own. Um, but also I want to go back and just, for a second. Remember when those uh, paragliders came in, they, they went after a group of young people. So what I don't understand is how most of those protesters are young people. And you saw how they were massacred, raped, uh, kidnapped, held hostage. Like, how do you have no empathy in your heart for what happens? How do you not see with your own eyes? Like you see this unfolding and I'll tell you how it's because it's being entirely funded by Democrat activists. The same couple that funded code pink are the ones that are funding these, these protests and rallies across the country. So this is not organic. This is being fueled by the left because they wanna create a conflict and they wanna create hostility. Um, and I feel like I'm living in 2020 deja vu all over again.
1: You know, Joe, in my conversation with Mike Lawler a minute ago, the Congressman from New York, he said that the problem is there's no accountability. And I feel like that's exactly the point, is that you can go out, destroy a building, vandalize property, tip over a monument, whatever you want, and again, here we are, six officers, as Chad said, are hurt. They were pepper sprayed, punched, etc. And there's no consequence. One person, one person is arrested. I don't get this anymore. What kind of a country, if you can punch a cop, if you can pepper spray them and you don't face a consequence, what message does this send?
2: Well, you're on the right narrative side of of what's going on. As Ashley said, let's go back to 2020. 26 people, innocent people, dead because of these mostly peaceful protests. You had very few arrests, if any. And if they were arrested, they were let out. If they weren't let out, Kamala Harris raised money to get them out. You know, you've got a side of the aisle right now that is against what we stand for, our value system and the rule of law. And they can get away with just about anything. To this day, there are people watching this show right now who think George Floyd was an innocent good guy. At, at the end of the day, you've got people who control the narrative. They control academia, Hollywood, sports, music, everything. Uh, Holly, uh, anything that is a narrative or a message, we have been beaten. They have beaten us badly. Yeah. Now, we're the four of us are doing the best we can to to, ch- to change that. But when you've got people still rotting after January 6th, which was nothing, as, as Chad said, compared to, to what happened last night, and you've got one person who was arrested, did that one person beat up six cops? Is that what happened? I don't get it. And it's never gonna change unless we keep raising our voices and let the new generation know you're on the wrong side of things here.
1: Yeah. yeah. Before we go on, I wanna segue into the next topic and this is a perfect way of doing this. Let me just show you what a, a, a video that is trending on TikTok. Now here's the, the, the setup for this. There is a letter that Bin Laden sent after the attacks of 9-11, a letter to America. It has now gone viral on TikTok where these young people are responding to it. A, a letter in which Bin Laden explains why he's coming after us, right? Why they conducted nine eleven, 11 et cetera. Let me just play a little of that video.
4: So I just read a letter to America and I will never look at life the same. I will never look at this country the same. I will never, I please read it. And if you have read it, let me know if you are also going through an existential crisis in this very moment because in the last 20 minutes, my entire viewpoint on the entire life I have believed and I have lived has changed. Please read that entire letter. I need everyone to stop what they're doing right now and go read, it's literally two pages, go read a letter to America and please come back here and just let me know what you think because I feel like I'm going through like an existential crisis right now and a lot of people are So I just need someone else to be feeling this too. I need you
1: to stop what you're doing and go read a letter to America. It is literally the craziest thing I've read in a while. And while I can't say that I'm that surprised, I am pretty shocked. So go read it and tell me what you think because I really also need to talk to other people about this. And actually, before you even read the letter, I did wanna mention in reading the letter, I could only think of this tweet that I saw the other day. Under settler colonialism, any kind of resistance is branded as terrorist because the only acceptable violence is violence by the occupied. All right, Chad. Here's what this is. Why I thought it was a perfect segue. This is what people are hearing and listening to. The reaction to some of them is saying, "One of the headlines says that America's youth uh, is, you know, s- supporting is is sympathetic to Bin Laden." Now, you're sympathetic to Bin Laden. I mean, these two instances aren't that far. They keep talking about this was Israel's 9-11. We had 9-11 where we were attacked. 4,000 people died. And yet we're now releasing the letter that bin Laden sent. And you, young people in America are like, you know, he's got a point. What What is going on where you can now, aside with a Hamas terrorist group, it's okay. You attack a cop, it's okay. And now we've got videos circulating where people are saying, yeah, Osama bin Laden actually was onto something.
3: You know we're at at a point sean where we're starting to see the fruit that's coming to bear from generations of psyop and brainwashing operations on the part of our education system for one uh our institutions in many ways have fallen not the least of which those that shape the next generation so we've put our kids in these indoctrination camps called public education you know in 1918 when the bolsheviks took over in russia they took kids out of the homes away from the parents put them in special schools to raise them as communists uh and we see the result of what happened there Uh, Then we send them off to these institutions of higher learning where some pinhead who's never tested his wild-eyed theories in academia out in the real world. He's pushing papers in an academic bubble and, and preaching to our kids. And they walk out of there completely brainwashed with this idea of hating America and and everybody is, is good except for us and we're some global colonizer and we need to be brought down and our
1: exceptionalism is somehow evil. So, we're starting to see that come to bear at this point. You know, Ashley, you guys at America First Policy Institute do a lot with national security. I I, I got to be honest with you, this is like so disheartening to me because I feel like sometimes we're trying to advance the ball and be like, okay, how do we protect America? How do we right. close the Southern border? How do we do this? And that's kind of looking forward. I see something like this and go, oh my God, like we are in such, like we've got to repair before we move forward. We've got to go back and educate. And 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 I, I mean, to, to Joe's point, I feel like I always joke the fact that we lost these institutions, late night television, Hollywood, academia, big tech, government, et cetera. We, we not only have we lost them, this is the fruit. This is it. This yeah. is what it bore.
4: Well, let me take off my policy hat and put on my America First Works advocacy hat, my more political hat on for a second. Good. Um, here's the bottom line. I'm also a mom of five kids, okay? And what we're seeing with the use of social media, specifically TikTok, that is a China propaganda machine. Now, should we ban TikTok? Absolutely. But why are we not on it? Why are we ignoring 60 million people where 60% of the users are under the age of 24? And why are we not pushing our messaging there? See, that's a huge, huge loss of opportunity. For us as conservatives, to start and put our message out there with the young influencers, Kellyanne Conway always says, "Do you, you know, am I? Are you like me? Do I like you?" Um, and that's what we have to do. We have to meet people where they are and start pushing the pro America policies and the pro american messaging, or we're going to keep getting our butts kicked. And so this is something I'll never let my kids on TikTok. Don't get me wrong, but there there are kids that are on there, and we need to start pushing back against the narrative. And, and so meet who's we
1: in, in your world? In your in your when you say that, Ashley, who is the we? That needs to be pushing
4: back. It's Republicans and conservatives. All of those. God, one hundred percent. The candidates. You know, um, we need to start empowering conservative influencers on these platforms. Um, everybody, I mean, look at the number of women who use TikTok, like wives, suburban women, like they're buying into this too. It's not just, you know, young people. And so if we aren't finding the mediums in which people are receiving their information, 86% of people get their information from digital. We've got to get there and we've got to get our message there or we're going to lose. And that's okay, concerned with these
1: I want to go around the horn though on, on Ashley's idea. Joe, do, is it, we ban it for kids, but adults get on there to push?
2: Well, I'm on TikTok, and the reason I'm on there is because some uh, conservative influencers said that there's a big Trump, a big pro-Trump block on TikTok that wasn't being served. I went on there in June. I've gained 172,000 followers in no time at all. And there is a huge conservative movement on there. Do I like that it's based in China? No. I use a secure digital uh, um, uh, device that I only use for TikTok. And it works out because there are people there that are starving for the information that Ashley's talking about that Chad and you and Ashley and I are trying to make sure that people understand. So yes, we have to be on there as much as we hate it. If it gets banned, it gets banned. That's fine. We won't be on there. But in the meantime, you've got an entire generation of people that are learning about what's going on in the world from one side if we don't join in. So I'm on there. Chad?
3: Yeah, I'm on there. you got to use the weapons of the warfare that are available to you, and I think that's one of them. I don't like it. I agree with the panel, Uh, but I'm on there. I can always tell when I'm doing the right thing and putting the right messaging out there because that's when I start getting censored and throttled and, you know, banned. And and so what do I do? I just keep on doing it. And I think that's what we have to do as long as that platform is sitting there.
1: All right. I don't know. You guys are giving me something to think about. I've been very, I, I feel like I, I at least like Joe's idea of having a specific device because I, I do. I've seen enough um, that I worry about what China's doing with this. But I get the mm-hmm. idea. I, I, I'm i receptive to the idea that at least until it's totally banned, you go there to, to do that and you keep the kids off of it. I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. You guys are very persuasive. Well, 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 Sean,
2: well Sean, I'll tell you this: uh, taking the moral high ground is the right way to go, and I did that for a long time. But we're taking the moral high ground, and we're forgetting the messaging that is okay. available no, to I us. No, I
1: get it. No, I get yeah. it. I, I yeah. mean, I, listen, I, I, I get it. It's the I get that we're we're seeding the ground, and in the interim, then they're using it, and that's why I appreciate what you guys are saying. You're actually making me think. Uh, I do like the security measures you're taking, though, because yeah. I feel like there is a national security. You have to. That, Right. I mean I it's funny, I when I sign up for a store rewards card, you know, I'll come up with a different name and different phone number. I want the I want the long CVS receipt, but it's not tied to me. I mean I right. sorry C V S
4: the FBI is already looking at all our stuff anyway, Sean. It's fine. What? That's true? Um, all right, well, like we're on the
1: subject of China, so let me just pivot. I want to show you this beautiful little scene that occurred in a pretty garden yesterday as Xi Jinping took someone for a walk. Chad, here's the thing, I, I said this to Congressman Lawler, the, We Xi Jinping and Biden haven't spoken in something like a year. He hasn't been in the United States in six years. We have literally broken down to the point Remember, we had to get rid of Donald Trump because we had to reset our foreign relations and be respected around the world. We are at a situation. Where the president of the United States can't get his calls returned from the president of China. The chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff has zero communication with his counterpart there. And the stated goal of this meeting with Xi Jinping, aside from the beautiful walk that occurred in the garden, was to reestablish, reestablish communication that they would unfriend him on TikTok maybe or whatever you do. <laughs> but this, to me, this is the most pathetic. I could not believe that our stated goal and the media bought into it today. They were like, it was successful because they talked and they exchanged phone numbers. Chad, what have we come to when that's the, that is where we're at with our greatest adversary? Uh,
3: Sean, yesterday pissed me off quite a bit. Good. Um, Good. I'll, I'll tell you, uh, I had a lot to say about it as I'm, I'm sure all of you did as well. This is, this is the image, this is a video image of a dictator, a communist dictator walking his dog. Joe Biden and Joe's family and Joe's administration knows that Xi Jinping has all the goods on them. They could destroy Biden. They could destroy everything about Joe Biden in an instant with just the revelation of certain facts. I mean, they they could come out and say, you know, dish the goods and they would have it. Uh, It's very concerning when you see, you know, people out on the streets of San Francisco. This isn't Beijing out in San Francisco, waving communist Chinese flags. As the motorcade comes through, and and everybody's waving them, they're celebrating. Not a p- protester in sight. I mean, forget human rights violations. You got pro Palestine, pro Palestine uh, protesters out there. What about the Uyghur slaves? Have we forgotten about those? What about LGBT rights in in China? Uh, where are those protesters? Uh, the list goes on and on. Where's the global warming and the climate change protesters out there? They're not doing it. So the fact that we rolled out you know, Pun intended a red carpet for Xi Jinping and then we see him out there with our president on a leash It's very it's humiliating and it's disgusting.
1: Yeah, you know the thing actually that I thought was so they everything about this was scripted down to like, you know, the clovers on on each little flower. It was sort of we gotta make sure it looks for it. Every protocol, the Chinese are very into that. So we every single aspect of this was scripted, right? And then Biden walks off stage after his press conference, where he sort of, whatever, did his thing, mumbled a bunch. And off stage, off stage, he gets asked, do you still think he's a dictator? He
0: has a dictator. It's a
2: term uh, that you used earlier this year. Well, look, he is. I mean, he's a dictator in the sense that he he is a guy who runs a country that is a foreign country that, based on a former government totally different than ours.
1: Now, is Xi Jinping a communist dictator? Yes. But that's like, the whole point was not to piss the guy off. And he says, yeah, he's a dictator. The Chinese immediately put out a statement saying that that was completely irresponsible. It's like, you do all this just so that he unfriends you, that he gives you his phone number and then you go,
4: yeah, he's a dictator. Uh Yeah, that whole thing was a disaster. Actually, there was one positive thing that came from that meeting, and that was the homeless oh, yeah. people were cleared out of San Francisco. That's just about it. Like, <laughs> finally, they did something about the homeless crisis in San Francisco. Um, The other thing I thought was interesting was the fundraiser that took place afterwards yes. um, for Joe Biden. And I thought to myself, like, could you imagine if Donald Trump had a fundraiser with Vladimir Putin? Could you imagine... The do you know,
1: Tim Cook paid $40,000 to sit at the table with him. Just insane. insane.
4: Yeah, and if if that were Donald Trump, the the hypocrisy, the way that the mainstream media would come unhinged after him, not that Donald Trump would ever do something like that, but you know, but that just goes to show you the double standard again with this with our media, with tech, with um with everything. It was unbelievable.
1: Well, Joe, it's funny. She says, Ashley brings up this, what if it was Donald Trump? Well, I was there. I was at Mar-a-Lago when Xi Jinping yeah. came, right? I was at a dinner with him. And Donald Trump said, can you excuse me? I need to get up for a second. We left dinner. We went down to a, a skiff, a, a secure compartmentalized information facility. And we sat there and watched them drop the bombs into Syria. He comes back up and says, sorry, I had to bomb Syria. Would you like some chocolate cake? <laughs> I'm not kidding. It was like, would I you like
2: it. the and it's I'm, it's it's like you're reading my mind. I was going to bring up that exact point. I, I forgot that you were there. I I but please forgive me.
1: I'll never but, forget I was there. Well, well, you, well, you've got a
2: you've got a guy that looked uh, that looked she in the eyes and he said, "You're not uh, trading fairly. I'm going to tax you through the nose until you uh, play fairly with us." You got a guy who said, "We'll have dessert in a minute." Let me go bomb Syria, drop fifty six Tomahawk missiles, and, and and now you've got a guy yesterday. And I'm watching. And by the way, I'm for world leaders meeting face to face and getting serious. There was nothing serious about yesterday. You have a media that would scream at Trump for two straight hours and he would stand there and take it. You've got a media that yesterday was told, get out, grab your stuff, get out. Let's go. Come on. That's it. It's over. And they all just scurry out of there. And and to Chad's point, where are the protesters? Where are the people that that are pro-Palestine? Where are the people that are pro-LGBTQ? They were gone. And, and and as the video came out, several big influencers put out the video of the motorcade coming in, carrying President Xi, and they were saying, hey, look, it's a nice day in Beijing. Oops, that's San Francisco. Mm-hmm. We kissed this guy's ring until the moment... That he went off script and answered the question about being a dictator, and the best part of that exchange was looking at Anthony Blinken sitting there going, "No, yeah, I'm he's saying. like, you Come blew on.
1: it, you blew it, crazy."
2: The whole thing, like you, like you said, he unfriended him at the end of the day. He left him on red when he sent a text. That's yeah. it. The whole thing was for naught.
1: I, I, Chad, I felt like, like the, the whole the planners must have been like, "You've got to be kidding me!" All you had to do was walk two more steps. Yeah, that's it.
3: Yeah. Uh, Blinken looked like he was ready to take a hit off of one of Hunter's <laughs> bongs. <laughs> Anything to get him out of that room. Right. Absolutely I, ridiculous.
1: Actually, I don't mean to, to but I, I, I want to get to one quick subject that it was interesting. Uh, Chad brings up Hunter and his bong. I'll sh- leave that aside for now. Um, <laughs> Hunter Biden is trying to subpoena Donald Trump because he's saying that he's being prosecuted because of Trump. And I'm thinking to myself, dude, you might still be high, but your dad is president in his justice department that offered you a sweetheart deal that you guys blew up. Donald Trump's
4: not president anymore. Don't you know everything is Donald Trump's fault? I know. All the time. Everything is Donald Trump's fault. Um, This family's delusional, right? And I, I mean, tying this all together, Joe Biden is bought and paid for by China. So and so is his son, and so is his brother. The entire corrupt Biden crime family—they're all bought and paid for. Um, this gun charge that he wants to sue Trump for—you know—I think he's just getting on the bandwagon with all of these woke DAs across the country who are just trying to tie the man up because he's winning, and because he wants to put America first. And people overwhelmingly want him back in the White House. That's a strong leader. That's it, we when we when the country had a strong man, the world was a safer place, and we need that strong man back in the White House.
1: Hey, I wanna end on one quick thing. I wanna play you a quick clip from Chip Roy. He was on the House floor yesterday. Let me play it for everyone.
3: One thing, I want my Republican colleagues to give me one thing, one, that I can go campaign on and say we did. One, anybody sitting in the complex, if you wanna come down to the floor and come explain to me one material, meaningful, significant thing the Republican majority has done besides, well, I guess it's not as bad as the Democrats.
1: Okay, there he is challenging everybody to name one thing that he can go campaign on. I I only have like 20, 30 seconds for each of you. Joe, is this a legitimate complaint from Chip Roy, or do Republicans have at least one thing to, to campaign on?
2: Interesting fact Chip Roy is my uh, actual representative. I live in his district. He's a good guy and I think he's right. Now I had Jim Jordan on my show yesterday who said Chip Roy is wrong and we can say the 87,000 were defunded and we passed the the bill to to secure the border and we did this about energy. I said, "Jim, none of that n- none of those things got through because you're not using the leverage that the house has to make Schumer and make Biden do something." So I it, it, shortly quickly Chip Roy's right. I don't think they can run on anything right now. Chad Chip Roy is a good
3: man and I agree with him. Uh, the only thing that, that he could take out there and campaign on us is, is they've done a hell of a job uh, fundraising because with all these promises of impeachment and holding people accountable, which they've done none of that, it does good for fundraising and for the Republicans, that's all they've done.
1: Yeah. Actually, did, was he right or
4: wrong? I think that you can run on the fact that they are they are boxers with a hand tied behind their back, and unless we have a majority, super majorities in both in both side chambers, then we're not going to get anything done. And so, parents' rights, the House has actually passed good bills, but we've yeah. got to make sure we have a bigger majority and we get the Senate. So, people and are motivated get a by fear
1: back in the White yeah. House. Exactly. All right, folks, thanks for being with us here on your Thanksgiving. I appreciate it. Uh, I hope that you did have a great day. Uh, Thanks for being with us and listening. Continue to subscribe to my not just the show, but if you want to be part of that VIP community, go to seanspicershow.com/slash VIP. Uh, We do weekly Q and As. If you have an idea, you want to recommend something, you just have a question, hey, I'm there for you. But please, if you have a second while you're digesting all that turkey. Go on to Apple Podcast, give us a five-star review. Make sure you subscribed YouTube, get that notification. Same thing on Rumble. I appreciate it all. If you have a text or want feedback from me, make sure you not only get part of that community or whatever. You can always leave comments, but you can text me. 571-441-4991. Thanks for being with us and spending your Thanksgiving with us as well. Sit back, relax, tune in tomorrow for a great and lively discussion on term limits and whether or not we should enact them, not just for elected members of Congress, but for staff as well. You're going to want to hear this. I'll see you back here tomorrow on The Sean Spicer Show. Happy Thanksgiving.